You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and how to create a vibrant and thriving home staging business. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 150. Hey guys, as you know, 17 Hats was our main sponsor at SagerCon 2021. We recommend 17 Hats because it was a critical part of our home staging business and free us up from lots of paperwork, admin, and chasing clients with emails so that we can focus on what we love to do, which is staging. If you're like us, you probably didn't go into the business for the paperwork. You know, all those invoices, emails, reminders, to-dos, and just the incessant chasing after client for paperwork. So that's where 17 Hats comes in for us. It's like you cloned yourself. Their all-in-one platform automates your staging business. 17 Hats handles the tedious stuff like payment reminders, capturing leads, proposal, invoicing, and even scheduling. We actually created a resource guide for you on our site. Just go to stagerunner.com slash 17 Hats and find out more about how we use 17 Hats in our home staging business. If you're a current 17 Hats user, we would love to hear about your story too. You can submit your 17 Hats story on our site at stagemore.com slash 17 Hats. Hey guys, welcome back to the episode of the Home Staging Show. So today's show is a bit special because it's actually recording from our last month's community talk. We have Daniel Kaufman and also Sarah Atherton on the show. On the show, they're actually, during the community talk, they're actually making cocktails. It was quite fun. And I think it's a really special episode for me personally, because these two actually met in our Instagram comment section. So both of their staging businesses are called Stage Spaces. But Daniels is in Los Angeles in the States, and then Sarah is in the UK. So I think it's quite special they're able to connect on our Instagram account, which is something we really want to promote, which is to build your community and then find your staging BFF, essentially. So now they talk all the time and they exchange ideas. And that's what I want for you guys as well, what we want to create in the community too, because I think it's really important to find the support system that works for you. A lot of times that might, may not come from your friends and family simply because maybe they don't own a business, they work for someone else, they don't understand what it's like to own a business, let alone a staging business. So I think it's important to find somebody who's like-minded, who's around kind of this, the same stage of your current business so you guys can grow together and also have ideas. And also because you guys are not in the same geographic area, even if you are, you guys can still collaborate and then give each other, you know, brainstorm ideas and feedback on the marketing you're doing or how to handle difficult client situations and stuff like that. I think it's important to have that soundboard in your business to help to support you while you're growing, building your businesses. In this particular podcast episode, we took pretty much kind of that full hour content. But if you want to listen to the rest, which is like the live Q&A, you can go to our free community lounge online at stagemore.school. Just go ahead, set up an account. It's totally free. And then hop on in. On the left-hand side of the menu bar, there is a section called Courses. So just click on courses and then click on free community talk and you're able to watch the replay for last month and then also the previous months as well. All right. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Daniel and this is my new and very good friend, Sarah, all the way from the UK. It's... Um, like what time is it there? It's eight, oh, eight o'clock. 
in the evening. It's pitch black outside at the moment. So yeah. Well, it's more it's appropriate <laughs> for you that we're drinking cocktails than it is for me because it's lunchtime, but it's going to rain today. <laughs> so my project got canceled and we're going to have a drink. Oh, absolutely. Now it's yeah. raining all day. It's been very miserable, very gray British skies and yeah, a bit rubbish really. Is this just always oh. raining there? A lot. A lot. A lot, yeah. Because you're like north of London, right? I am. So I'm in a county called Leicestershire, which is right in the middle of the country. So it's one of those strange names that people find really hard if you're not from England. So it's often called Leicestershire. And we have (laughs) a soccer team. So our soccer team won the premiership in 2016. And they were like, I think it was the bets on them were like, oh, 3,000 to one or something ridiculous like that. And we won it. Yeah, it was really, really good. So that that's about Leicester's famous for. Oh, and King Richard III was found in a car park in Leicester as well. So. Oh, so there's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, as some of you may not know, I'm here in Southern California where it's sunny and dry and running out of water all the time. Very so. <laughs> Quite the opposite experience. Okay, so... Sarah and I, we did, we, we connected over our love of staging. We both have three or more children. We're both in relationships. We live, eat, breathe staging. We do have a couple of differences though. And one of them is our cocktail of choice. So because we haven't really had a chance to go out and party like new friends would, we're going to make a cocktail first just to get things started and if you you know and no one finds any other takeaway today they'll at least know how to make a proper mojito and margarita margarita absolutely yeah okay so real fast break it down for me i've got the ingredients you sent me okay so you've got lime juice i've got my lime juice yeah i'm gonna put that in my jug yeah sugar yeah my two tablespoons of Sugar, I've got my lime juice. I've got the mint leaves. Yes. And you've got your muddler. I do. You know, this thing looks dangerous. Yeah, it has a bit, some of them look a bit phallic as well, Daniel. Yeah, I was kind of, I was like, is this right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then I've got all of that in there. What, I just grind it all up? Use your rubber end. Use your rubber end. The end with the black bit on, you said? Oh, the black end, the black end. So, and then that would squash it all really, really well. Yeah, so I'm squashing it. Use part of that. Okay. How much? Like a lot? Yeah, just keep juicing it like a little bit, almost like a little bit mushy almost. It's really weird, like juicing a mint leaf, isn't it? But, yeah, it is really it's weird. Good. Okay, I have, I definitely have like a juice in here now. Okay, right. So now what you need to do is you need to, have you got ice in your glass? You can very quickly. Man, I need this. Okay, here we go. It's in the glass. So then you can put your rum in. Oh, my rum. So it's an ounce of rum. I got two of these in. White rum, as you say. Yeah, or I think actually in Britain, England, we call it Bacardi a lot. I don't know. It's Bacardi. There you go. Yeah, it's just Yeah, exact thing. Okay. Okay, so you put that in, and then you pour that in. Oh, just all stirred, of it? Yeah, this is a stirred cocktail rather than a shaken. Oh, okay, 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 okay. 
the first step of every stage for you is obviously a site visit, right? Do you go and you see every yeah. property? Not every property, no. With COVID, my, my business is quite new. I only started 18 months ago. So compared to you, I'm like a, a real fledgling in this. So, But no, when we're local, so within sort of an hour, and if we can, we will always go and we like to do a site visit. We like to get to know the people who have the property, who the target market is, see the area surrounding, so we know who we're staging it for. But we have had a few that we've done remotely and we've literally done, there are empty properties. I couldn't do an occupied stage without seeing it. So the empty ones we've done remotely, yeah. the consultation remotely, we'll have floor plans to scale and we'll have photos and we'll have a conversation via Zoom. And sometimes they're walking around with a little phone and just yeah. saying, and this is us. And yeah, so we've done them that way as well. I do prefer a face-to-face actually meeting somebody consultation, I have to say. I I don't think you can, you can't beat it, can you? It's slower. You know, it introduces more opportunities for questions and delayed timelines. But yeah, I think it definitely starts the relationship with your new client off very strongly. And I think everyone that we work with on a regular basis, we started with by meeting. Yeah. So do you do a mix of the both now? Are you sort of... Yeah. In fact, I think because we're asked for proposals so quickly, we are utilizing old listing photos a lot of the time. People will just send us a website submission form with an address and, you know... The only other question we would have is which areas, you know, do you want to stage? And then it's up to us to kind of find (laughs) pictures of it online or hope that someone can give us a walkthrough video. Video has really taken our business in a easier route, right? I mean, like, it's just, it's so much easier to communicate spaces. Now that everyone has a cell phone, everyone has the ability to FaceTime or send along video or, you know. Absolutely. No, it has. And I think that's one of the benefits, actually, one of probably the few benefits of COVID. Yeah. To have to oh, use yeah. technology and adapt. And yeah, it's been a massive help, actually. But when you do go and meet, are you meeting with the homeowner or just the realtor? It's normally the homeowner. I think over here, there's still a massive gap between sort of real estate agents and instructing stages. So it'll either be the developer, if it's sort of somebody's done refurbished property, or the homeowner. So yeah, it will generally be the property owner, or if again, a developer, somebody then works out for that developer. So, And what is that like for you, meeting with the homeowner? Because it's something I try to avoid doing. (laughs) Oftentimes, agents are accompanying us and when the homeowner's there, that's no problem. But I will seldom go to a property just to meet the homeowner only. So how does it go for you when you are there alone with the homeowner? What do you mean as in sort of asking questions? And Yeah, uh, yeah. Because, okay, so like for me, when I'm with the homeowner, I get all these questions about, you know, what's your vision for this? Where's this going to go? What colors are you thinking? And I'm thinking, well, I've been here I don't know, maybe four minutes. I have no idea what my vision is yet. The whole reason for the site visit is to come take that info in. So dodging questions that are later going to pigeonhole you into having to provide something that you might not be able to, like, I hate that. And that always happens with me (laughs) when the homeowner is there. And a lot of times the agent will kind of help direct that 
But if it's just you all alone, how do you, how do you? You kind of just have to, again, steer the conversation. I believe, I'm a firm believer in, I like to listen a lot. So I will always listen to what they want. And then I kind of, you know, can I have to dodge certain, answer in a surreptitious way sometimes. I think one of the things over here is because staging is still quite a new entity for people are just literally starting to cotton on to it as good marketing tool, that they're very intrigued as to how the process works, how does so much sort of cut, some people do sort of go, oh, well, what colours is it? We're very much trying to get the point across that it's not just about interior design. It's about marketing the property for your target buyer. And so that's where, again, I kind of managed to sort of steer the conversation. If they start to go, well, I really like these new blush colours and I like this and I like that. And I'll say, well, we'll try and sort of take things on board. But what we're looking at is not what you like, who the person buying your house is going to like. And that's got to come to a broader appeal, you know. So it's getting that message across quite quickly that we're not there as interior designers. Yes, we'll make it look beautiful. Yes, we'll style it fabulously. But it's getting it to that wide the target audience of who is going to be buying your house and that's not you because you're selling it so yeah it's, it's kind of putting it across in a very very nice way I guess that's a British thing We're kind of not quite as honest and <laughs> honest we are we're very transparent and honest but we're sort of possibly maybe not sort of as out there <laughs> yeah I deal with the very same kind of conversations when homeowners are you know around that the difference really between personal design and home staging is exactly what you just said with personal design we're appealing to your taste mm-hmm. home staging is a trend-based game we're really trying to appeal to the biggest number of people that identify that and perceive it as valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do you ever discuss furniture placement with them or do you keep all the cards totally to the breast? No, I do discuss furniture placement. And I think one of the things that's probably a little easier over here is our houses are generally a lot smaller. So we don't have so much where we can fit things. Oh, (laughs) When we're walking through the house, I say, okay, so we'll fit a three-seater in there and a two-seater there, and we can have an accent chair in the corner, just so they can start to visualize a little bit. The other big thing is, again, we have quite small rooms in our houses. So one of the main things is people knowing if they can fit a double bed in a bedroom. And for you guys, that's probably totally alien. But uh, (laughs) we have a lot of houses that are sold as four bedrooms when they're probably three bedrooms and what we would call a box room. We use quite often... As a company, we use what we call a small double bed and they're 120 centimetre width. So I always have my tape width measure with me and I'm going, yeah, we can fit a small double in here. And- oh, that's a good. OK, yeah. It is a double bedroom. That's brilliant. In between sort of old fireplaces and nooks and crannies. And yeah, we have a lot of old houses. <laughs> Yeah, well, I love, though, that you know that that is a size that you have to deal with, that that is kind of like a selling fact for you. Oh, we can put a double bed here. That's just like part of your site visit process. We have a couple like that, too. I always, everyone always wants to know kind of where the TV goes and if we're going to supply a TV, which we don't do that. We'll put art in a suggestive place and have all the furniture oriented towards that. But some of these older homes that have been changed 
over oh. decades, they don't have a TV spot. So that's kind of the double bed of our frequently asked questions. Where's the TV go? So I always have to be ready to debunk that one or answer that question without really knowing what I'm going to use, right? That's so hard is answering a question about style or availability or what you'll be bringing without even knowing when this project's going to happen. Because that's when those questions get asked. It's not the site visit. That's another thing I kind of ask up front as well so I can get an idea of what we're going to have available is to say, you know, what sort of time scale are we looking at? When we spoke yesterday, I had one chap who literally wanted it delivering, you know, this week and it was in, and it was like, no, that that's just not going to happen this quickly at the moment. So, yeah. I know. Yeah, there's definitely some education about like how integral the process is and and how long the planning can really take in order to provide a good stage. We get lots of people who are unaware of that and request super tight timelines like that. But it is good to find that out right when you meet that person, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I just, as I said, I think one of the most important things through the whole process of workflow is just communication. And I think that's from everybody, from your client to your team, to the realtor, to everybody. Just keeping that loop of communication open is absolutely key. And transparency as well, you know, because if you're not going to be able to deliver it, you just have to be upfront and find a solution. That's me. I'm kind of a bit a transparent person, shall we say. And it's not always what everybody wants to hear. So our next step from like a site visit is submitting a proposal. That's what you do too, right? Yeah. So you do such beautiful kind of look boards. What do you call them? Room sets, I call them. And that's probably probably come from my retail background. So my background is in retail marketing as a visual merchandiser and a window dresser. When we go out, we would supply the merchandisers and window dressers with a set of what was going to go in that window, what it would look like, how it would come together. So I've adapted the same sort of process And what it does, I do include room sets, but I don't include the whole lot. So when I put the proposal together, it's quite quite a visual feast, I would say. So pack some figures in there. And as a bear, as a, we put an inventory of furniture, what we'll supply, not accessories. We just say these will be accompanied by. We'll do an idea of color palette. So they'll have that. They'll have an idea of timescale, delivery, obviously how much it's going to cost them. After that, we'll do four room sets. So we'll do a living room, a bedroom, a dining room, and then a other room, depending on how big the house is. So, And are you recycling room sets? Yes. Yes, thank goodness. Okay. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So what we do is obviously we'll kind of stick to the same front, but then we'll change the accent colours. So we'll just pull a different cushion in or a different piece of artwork. And so generally, maybe at the moment, we have six or seven, I would say, different living room sets. And so we'll just from there, because I've already done on Canva, I've got all my cushions in my inventory on Canva. I'll just say... So we've gone for a blue scheme on that. Let's bring a nice sort of green and neutral scheme in that, like a nice sage colour. And then we'll pull all those in and we'll pull the artwork. It's, again, what's available. That's how we work on that. And, yeah, they don't. Once you've got them up, they Are you photographing all of your inventory and then putting that into a library of images? 
some of them I do, but some of them I'm a little, and I'm not sure I'm allowed to say this because, but we do steal a few stock images as well, but they only go. Oh, yeah, them. from the web. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, yeah, totally. I do the same thing. Okay. So, wow, that is so incredible because I've seen them and they look very, very professional. And I can't imagine producing four of those for every proposal we send out, but it's amazing that you're able to do that. Do you think you'll be able to continue that, like, as you scale? I don't know. I mean, on average now, I think I've got it down to, because again, and I think you're probably exactly the same. Once you've come away from a site visit, you kind of know exactly what you're going to do with it in your head. And the sooner I can put that sort of in my head down in some way. So that is me doing my room set. So it's got to come out in some way in the design. Oh, it's part of your organization anyway. Absolutely. The initial ones will go, and then obviously if the proposal, they say, yes, wonderful, it will then, with the idea will grow and we'll add more rooms to it. But if not, then that's fine and it will sit. And the next time I know I've got that furniture available, we'll say, okay, and we'll just recycle that, as you say, a little bit. I think on average now, maybe a room takes me 10 minutes, that's all. Wow. Mm-hmm. They look so good for 10 minutes. We're going to have to have a little workshop I, on that. I, otherwise, I w- it wouldn't be sustainable. And yeah, we'll have a Canva workshop. We could do that with content. Yeah, that'd be super fun. <laughs> I don't submit looks. That what I will acquiesce to is sending a collection of listing links. If someone really wants to know what their stage is going to look like, we what? spend a lot of time educating people on letting that go in the beginning, kind of like what you were saying. This this is not a design that is intended for you. It's intended for everyone else. So it really, you can't say it doesn't matter going in, but it, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. And so just helping them feel, uh, just instilling confidence with how you talk about filling a space is really how we kind of dodge that. And then when we go and do a proposal, I'm just submitting a room, here's what we're going to put in it, furniture, decor, accessories, artwork, kitchen, dot, 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 and that's all they're getting. Do you find that the visual aspect of your proposal is more than 50% of it? No, I would say it's probably 30% of it. Okay. Uh, well, maybe it's even 25, actually. It's literally, so my proposal will go through as a document and as we introduce who we are as a company. We talk about the consultation. And they're only small. They're only paragraphs. I'll send you a copy, actually. They're only paragraphs. And then we'll go on about why you would work with us, sort of in nice bullet points, but they're all sort of... Oh, wow. Nice. Well, and then we go through and we list the inventory, but then at the side of the inventory, we'll have the color palette. So it's not just a load of numbers and a load of words. We've got mm-hmm. something like, you know, because they do want this kind of like, oh, yeah, well, what's, what color is it going to be? So we're giving yeah. them the Yeah, there is. Yeah. There. I like that you've worked it into your process in a way that doesn't take a lot of time because we just handle each one of those clients that need a little bit more handholding as a special case, you know, they'll reach out. It'll be probably like a phone conversation that will help instill that confidence, but that's really cool that you've worked that into your process. And I like that you're talking about how you have to organize it anyway. You're going to have to eventually decide which pillows go with which sofa. The way we do that is in terms of a pack list. And like I approach each site visit thinking, 
where's my five piece living room set? How's it going to fit in here? Or am I going to have to break up a set? Because where we're very similar is in the beginning of setting up our business, I collectioned everything. So every living room was a template, sofa, loveseat, coffee table, end table console. And that's been the formula forever. We even, at one point I brought this, we even put it like in a, like a little menu. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. And then on the back, it would, you know, kind of like breaks down course wise, what you would get in the living room. So this is like living room, sofa, love seat, coffee table, side table, console table, family room, sectional coffee table, side table, you know, and then that really helped kind of eliminate that set of questions that yeah. we were getting regularly because we weren't, we weren't being very upfront with what pieces were actually coming. But if I can give you the formula of what you can be guaranteed count wise is coming. I think people were, were happy with that. So that's what I'm thinking. Every time I go in there is, is this a sofa love seat or is this just a sectional situation? And then when I come back, I'm literally just filling in a pre-made pack list that we have for every single job that changes only by the room count and just filling it like I'm walking around the warehouse, writing in the names of everything. <laughs> you know, we, we tried to put everything into a digital inventory before. Oh my God, so it's so cumbersome and challenging to do that because it's, well, our inventory is adjusting all the time. We're selling pieces, pieces are well, I, I think maybe down the line, I'll have to be a little bit, you know, it works for us at the moment because we are small, you know, but compared to the amount of inventory you have and the amount of your projects you have, and I think this will be something that we'll have to grow and maybe we'll just use these room sets in future and say, this is an idea of the sort of thing we would provide for you. But even now, because we have started to get busy, we'll say this is an example. We will try to make it look like this, but I love might- that which is style of sofa out because again the sort of niche of the market where we are we are very much real homes for real people and we'll go from sort of a two-bedroom starter home to sort of maximum four-bed family suburban house not high premium just real houses I know you guys are, are pretty much so the furniture we have the smallest sofas will go together then with a bigger sofa for the larger houses and yeah. then they can just be on their own with a chair for the smaller houses so again we just we just adapt the furniture we've got and we try as well we very much sort of one of these people we look for it's almost like um how it looks worry for substance <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know we because at the minute so there's myself and I've got two ladies that work with me on the installs and the styling because it's the three of us everything is light as we can we don't carry chest of drawers you know yeah. the items yeah we made the mistake of buying full bedroom sets in the beginning and really filling out our bedroom inventory with these huge headboard foot I mean, it looked gorgeous but it's trying to get them into a room <laughs> i know the first time you have like an elevator state you're like never mind i'll never do a dresser again this is just not worth it yeah, console tables become the new dressers and then benches become the new console tables. <laughs> you know, it just keeps getting smaller and lighter. <laughs> They've got to be the staple, haven't they? And I say that to my clients as well. I say, so we don't provide this, but what we do is we'll provide something the same size so they can see that something would fit there. And they're quite happy with that. But yeah, take up yeah. less room and they're easier to around, aren't they? So yes. I think being able to say, 
no, I can't give you that answer right now, or no, I don't have access to that information right now, is totally okay to say up front, as long as you have a follow-up with, but here's what we can do instead. I, I find that actually 100% of the time, that works for every kind of client we have. Yeah, and I think it works in every business as well. I think it's just so much better to yeah. be honest and transparent and people are a lot sort of easier to work with and sort of you have less complications if you have that right yeah. start. Yeah, because all of our problems in the beginning were really when we were trying to do something different than what we do. Yeah. That's when you get into trouble. Just, yeah, just best to be yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Really, really. You know, so, uh, yeah. So you have a small team. How are you moving furniture? We move her. <laughs> yeah. No, obviously not. <laughs> we don't just sort of walk around with it. No, we have a van. <laughs> so I mean, but like, how, how are you moving your biggest sofa? Oh, our biggest sofa is only a three-seater. We can move it to others. It's fine. So then do you see your next growth step being then getting larger size furniture to being able to service larger homes? Yeah, but, we, but the thing is as well, there's some locally to me, there is two very established staging companies. Because obviously you have to remember, England's not really close. Either. So we've got two fabulous, very established staging companies that already do that sort of niche of the market. So they're already servicing those people that have the big sort of stately homes and require the bigger pieces of furniture. So if we can sustain doing this lower sort of end of the market, that's what I would prefer to do, to be honest with you. So then you can keep your furniture small. You can keep your team small. Absolutely. I love that. That's where we're going. You know, I think it's lovely. I look, I look at, you know, you guys over in LA and you know, you watch Selling Sunset and all these sorts of things. And they're fabulous. Like, oh my God, if I got to stage a house like that. But in reality, I actually really love getting results for real people in just small houses that think, oh, I can't afford to do that. But oh, by yeah. making it cost effective, you can get some really fabulous results for them. And it's great. And I think it's an idea that people are really starting to cotton on to here and just sort of, oh, actually, yeah, that would work. I agree with you 100%. When we go to like actually in stage a job, it's two movers, one production manager, and Jason and I usually, or just one of us. So it's a team of like five that could handle a living room, dining room, kitchen, one bedroom outdoor. And we could do that very easily in three or four hours. So we could Uh, probably do two of those in a day. What does your project install day look like? So our project install day, so there'll be two or three of us. And again, a two bed apartment probably would take us four hours, but a four bed house would probably take us eight. Mm-hmm. Because there's only two or three of us and we do all the moving and we do all the shifting. Yeah. But we're in and out still quite quickly, really and truly. We've never done anything that's longer than eight hours yet. And that was a I think that was a five bed was have been our biggest so far. So eight hours is the longest day you've had installed. You don't ever have a project that lasts you over a couple of days. No, no, not yet. No. Absolutely. I hate those. I hate it when we have to do that. I mean, it's longer than two days when you're actually revisiting a house. It always turns into like a third day somehow. We always try to shoot for a one day thing. It took us 
in the very beginning when it was just Jason and I in a trailer on the back of his Jeep and our like the furniture out of our own home, it would take us a couple of days to stage what we now do in two or three hours. Sure, absolutely. But yeah. just don't, yeah, I mean, we're getting quicker and quicker with each one. I mean, pack our accessory tubs. Again, we pack them and we'll go, right, this is going in that room. And when we arrive, that literally... Yep box will go in that room whereas before it's like right let's put all the plants in here and let's put everything in and again you just become more efficient I think and it's learning what works for you and who you're working with and yeah I say just learning all the time and say we only started 18 months ago so all the time we're learning no I, I think you're headed in such a good direction with making like packages and pre-packaging things you know in the warehouse instead of randomly grabbing that we did many years of just kind of random grabbing and that's when a one day install turns into many day installs that's what preempted the the pack list for us was we needed some more organization here we just need to start thinking about this like a grab and go kind of business because we want to get to the point where we don't really have time to repack another bin we just know that everything in that bin is going to be good enough for a living room yeah yeah so is that where you store them now? You just keep them all sort of ready to go and that what that's uh we try okay, so we tried that and then we did that for a little while. It started to feel a little confining artistically or creatively. It just wanted to mix it up more often and our environments weren't quite as plug and play as we wanted them to be. The homes were requiring just a little bit more flexibility. So we made recipe cards essentially and put everything back on shelves. And then when I would go to make a pack list in the beginning, I would say Montreal furniture collection with the Duluth decor with the Eagle Rock lamps. And someone would know to go through and, oh, these are the Eagle Rock lamps. This is that decor. This is that, you know. And so I would think about in terms like that. Now that we are so familiar with our inventory and everyone has been here long enough, it's reduced. It doesn't need to be quite as scripted or scheduled or even templated. We just kind of have a shorthand about it, which is dangerous though, because then when we go to onboard somebody else, it takes a long time to get them in our process. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's just all, it's like a foreign language almost. Yeah, absolutely. But that's something I do. So I'd say as soon as we're back, we unpack and all the accessories will go straight because I've made a mistake a couple of times now. I'm still going, oh, we'll keep that box up. And then it's like, oh my gosh. So everything again, I'll just unpack. So every all my kitchen stuff's together, my plants are together, all my scents are together. And then again, it's really easy. I'm very much as well, I'm a little bit sort of OCD on all my colors. So all my colors happen. <laughs> Is that how you organize your stuff by color, not by type? By color. Yeah, I organize by type and by color. Oh, yeah. So it's it's a color category and then subcategories of type. Fishing covers are literally all on hangers and they're hung in like almost a rainbow. And um, oh. ding, ding, ding. that's what we need. I like that. We are we're more organized by type. All of our office stuff is in one area. All of our kitchen stuff is in another area. And the color is just kind of all mixed in there. How long does it take you to take out a project? Normally, I would say half the time it would take yeah. us. Too. Us too. And do you use blankets? Are you wrapping all your furniture? Or um, how are you- we don't wrap all of our furniture as such. We're just very, very careful. Once it's in the van, we'll wrap. 
we don't wrap it in situ we'll try and carry it out and then sort of wrap it to make sure it doesn't rub on anything but again we'll bubble wrap all our accessories back up we'll make sure all our mirrors are protected i saw i think it was foxy home staging in australia the day they had this this huge van and they'd got all these covers and literally piles of covers and as it came into the van they were just covering things up I was like oh my gosh that's genius absolutely what about you guys what do you use we blanket all of our furniture except for wood pieces that are already so rustic it's not going to matter if they scratch <laughs> <laughs> and then we use tape on all the legs so blanket moving pads and, and tape and uh, we recently found these rubber bands for furniture, which we just put the blanket on top and rubber band the whole thing. We're, oh, we're using cool. so much less tape. It's so cool. Cutting our strike, or well, we call them strikes, but removals. Yeah. I'm gonna have, yeah, I'll have to send you the link of it. It just looks like this giant, it almost looks like an exercise, I like a pair of bands. Yeah, it's like a resistance band sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And you just yeah. throw the blanket on top, throw that on and it, it you know shrinks to the size it's great Whoa. yeah and we're using we've got a box truck and a moving van and then yeah. we will sometimes use our own cars but not typically most of our stages fit in a, a single 18 foot box truck so that'd be like what we call a looter and that's what we when we started out in the last sort of three, four months, we've started to use like a, a looting, we call them here, but box truck. But before that, we would have my big SUV and then a transit van and just try and yeah. use as much as we can and take the legs off all the chairs and they're all stacked in the chairs. Yeah inside each other on the front seat of the car and there's just stuff part and I think in some of my stories you've probably seen like the stings are just around me like that and I'm at the steering wheel going yeah. <laughs> I hate having to drive to the projects it's probably my least favorite aspect of this entire job is the trucking part of it like having to back a truck up or parallel park a truck or drive the truck it's just I've not driven one yet I'm very lucky so Leslie, who works with me, she can drive a truck. She has her own transit van. And then some of the other ones, I've actually got my husband involved and he's he's done the truck driving. And I just sit there with the sack now going, no, no, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> Let me know when it's there. When you get to a stage, do you set everything out first or do you keep everything in and just parcel it out once the furniture's gone in? Get the furniture in first. And then, as I say, each box will go to the room. And oh. then furniture's in we'll unpack all the accessories so yeah otherwise i get in a mess what about you Are you same deal i don't really like to have all my accessories laid out it just gets really visually confusing for me so i yeah i like to just keep that outside as long as i can because once bins go in and they start taking up places on the floor i get confused that that's an open spot yeah absolutely and then you, you go to clear out the bins and you're like yeah, like what do I do with this big open area? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a mess. So are you able to take a lot of your projects out of one and put them in another? To start off with, we were really, really lucky. I think the first five stages, we literally had a day or two in between. And we just go, right, okay, there we go. And we'd just change things up a bit. Like we'd even use the same cushions and we'd put them just in the bedroom rather than the living room. So it looked a little bit different and use a bit of different artwork. 
But then all of a sudden we had a few that needed to go in at the time and then it all came out at the same time. So we now have space in the warehouse. It's not my own, unfortunately. I do share space. I've got very mm-hmm. lovely friends that only uses a small part of his warehouse. But we're encroaching and he keeps sending me adverts now for you. This <laughs> minute's come up. Maybe you want to take a look at it. I'm going, yeah, 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 that's fine. But then next week again, so next week, in the next 10 days, we've got five going out, which is the busiest we've ever been. And I'll literally probably have, we've got two in, no inventory left until the week after when something else comes out again. So, yeah, it's just, it is what it is, isn't it? Learning, yeah. learning all the time. I love that um, we can pick up a project out and not have to touch any of it, but that's just like seldom happens. We always have to adjust a few things. But it's this huge time saver if you can kind of like let that go though, right? And be okay with installing the same situation in another environment that's what really what got in our way in the beginning was i just really wanted everything to be totally unique you know unlike anything they had seen us do before because obviously every property is different so you can't be a one size fits all but it's being creative i think and how you can reuse and repurpose things and i also just think it's so sustainable as well you know it's sort of just reusing as much as we can yeah ways so i mean we even now we'll just buy cushion covers and just use cushion pads so we'll always have loads of different cushion covers yep. and we'll then use because then we're not having to buy cushions every time so yeah it's just learning what works isn't it just... yeah because I, I think then once because you're not purchasing wholesale yet right no, we can't buy in bulk yet. We're not big enough for that. So right. we have started using trade suppliers now. To start off with, we would literally be buying high street, like Ikea, and we have some places with Elm over here. All places like that are really good. And even some things like pre-loved sofas off Facebook Marketplace, absolutely brilliant, you know. Mm-hmm. So nice condition ones, they're, they're great, you know. And very first one, I think it was just stuff out of... <laughs> Home and other bits, you know. <laughs> we have no sofa this week, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. When we started buying, you know, quantities of, from wholesalers, that really helped our process, the organizational aspect of what we've been talking about grow because then you really do get to see your collections on, you know, a sofa that you're familiar with and know how to make it look different every time. Yeah. That really helped us be able to take on more projects than we did before. You've just got this like set, this living room set that you know works everywhere and it could look coastal, it could look super luxe and modern. It just, you know, it's all about the pillows. I think we're going to move to question and answer, right, Courtney? Yes, some Q&As and you already have some questions in the chat box, actually. Someone was interested in, if you could uh, put your menu of your inventory that you showed earlier, yeah, just a little closer so that they could see. Amazing. It looks yeah. so nice. And then the back, the back, so then the front, you, you'd see like living room and then it would, it would give a price, right? And then on the back, it would give living room and it would talk about what's in there. So it says sofa, loveseat, coffee table, console table. And it does that for each space. It might seem a little scary to publish your prices like this in such a finite way, which is why we put starting at and also depending on architectural style and location. You always really need to give yourself the ability to be flexible, but this helped us be very transparent and seem very professional and locked in in our process in the beginning. Really like that. Amazing. 
And then what's the worst experience you've had during staging? Who's there? Do you want to go first? I actually had a really bad experience last week. I went to a consultation and it was an occupied stage and the lady had seven cats and I have a really bad cat allergy. And as I was driving home, my tongue sold out, my hands sold out. Literally, I was I was in such a mess. I cried when I got in. And then, then she wanted to work with me as well. And that was, that was even harder. So, yeah, I'm not going to be doing that project. But that's been probably my worst experience so far. Was, oh, I thought... I'm I was, sure you've got... Yeah. You know, I've been asked this before, and I always kind of forget what is the worst. But we recently had one just last week that was pretty bad, actually. We were staging a house, and we had left all the doors open and the gates to the street. And someone wandered in the house, and it was just one other stager and I called us downstairs. And when I went downstairs, a really aggressive man was standing in the foyer claiming that this was his home, that there's a lawsuit against it, wanted to know why I was there, what company... I mean, I just claimed to work for stage spaces. I was just like, you know, the loneliest intern in that moment. I was, I was like, I don't know anything. I don't know, you know, the agent. Wanted all this information and started searching the house. It was bizarre. I've never had something like that happen before. But we have had theft. We've had flooding. You know, whenever the homeowner is like living there, it's always an interesting story. But yeah, I would say last week was like kind of really up there. It was super scary. Because now I'm being asked for like court affidavits and things like that. So yeah, like literally right before this, I got an email saying your statement's being turned into an affidavit. Can we, do you have any pictures of him and stuff? I know. Wow. This guy did eight years for, (laughs) it's just, it's absolute crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, allergy every day of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's crazy that you both had rough weeks last week. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, Similarity. (laughs) And then the next question is, what advice can you give for those thinking about starting this biz? Oh, first you want me to do it? (laughs) I would say, again, one of the massive things we've discussed today is transparency. And don't try and emulate what other people are doing. Be yourself. Be true to what your vision is. And yeah, just go for it. I mean, this place is fabulous. It's a fabulous resource. It's actually how Daniel and I met was he was doing a a live, I think, with Cindy Lynn. There's so, so much context and content on here that you can learn from. I came across Cindy Lynn in in the UK. We have the Home Staging Association. And she did a talk at the um, forum we had online the first year we started. And we went and did one of her online photography courses, which was fabulous. Just go for it is what I would say. And yeah, there'll be dark days, but don't look back. Just keep going towards the light. (laughs) Yeah, it's a super hard business. Like physically, it's very challenging to be in. And because it's still relatively new, globally speaking, it doesn't have a lot of inherent processes that you can subscribe to. So you can feel a little bit on your own until you find a community like Stage for More, you know, like this one right here, that will help debunk some of that mystery along the way. But it's a really amazing way for a creative person to affect the area around them in like an actual real way. You know, like a muralist can paint on buildings and it changes the environment around them. I know for a fact that things that I thought about changed 
the value of a house in a positive way, brought up the comp for the area. And, and, you know, like we were a part of that process. For me, that's super rewarding because I get to see creativity turning into something very tangible dollars, you know, and cents for the home sellers. That is the biggest benefit of being a home stager is being able to be an effective artist. Those are both great answers. And then your next question is, how did you start buying your inventory? Did you buy everything before getting your first client? So for us, we used our own furniture in the beginning. It was just a constant a race <laughs> towards where we are right now. Sometimes we didn't have enough inventory and way too many clients. Sometimes we were so in debt because we had just purchased way too much inventory. It wasn't until about our fifth year that everything leveled out and we had the right amount of supply for our demand. And it was about the second or third year that we stopped buying retail and started attending wholesale furniture shows because we knew we really wanted to be in control of our own inventory. There was just no chance that we were going to be renting large pieces when that needed to happen. We decided to just go for it. Sarah has a different path on that. Yeah, I mean, our our path was we didn't actually buy anything until we got our first client. So I know it's really hard when you're starting and you kind of want to go out and you want to buy all this stuff. And one key advice that I was given by someone is don't until you've got that first client don't buy anything because first of all you don't know it's going to be the right stuff for the property so you could end up with all this furniture and then someone comes along and it's not actually right so I'm at the stage at the moment that Daniel's just spoken about where we have a lot of inventory because it's all going to go out next week and then it's just finding that level and I'm hoping we'll get there in the next six to 12 months. It is a balancing act at the moment. It's a balancing act and I would say if you are a new stager interested in owning your own inventory and you're building that out, it is crucial to think long-term as you're buying and not per project because we spent some years spending unnecessary amounts on buying inventory when it was necessary for a specific project. Later on, that was the first stuff to go because it was just too niche. I would keep it broad if you're going to spend some money. Yeah, great advice. Who are your top three wholesalers? My top three wholesalers at the moment, and this would be for California because they're local here. I love Coaster home furniture, very inexpensive. I like Moe's home furniture. I also like Dovetail a lot. Those are my top three locals. I would say my top three just online would be Modway. Modway's really good. Coaster, gosh, it'll come to me. But Modway and Coaster are really good. Great budget furniture. They keep their silhouettes really classic and everything is nice and compact and light. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. 
If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com/podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging. 